This is the Home Health Revealed podcast. Hear stories from real industry leaders discussing topics affecting the ever-changing home health industry. Welcome to Home Health Revealed. I am your host today. I am Hannah Vale, and typically hosting this show is Michael Greenlee, but I have asked Michael as CEO of Health Rev Partners to come on for a Q&A session today. So I'm going to put him in the guest category today. If you're good with that, Michael. Yep. Ready to rock. All right. So we have put out a lot of times I'll send emails and say, Hey, if anybody has any questions or things they want us to cover on this podcast, home health revealed, uh, they can send them to us. And so these are some questions and topics that I've had come in. And I asked Michael if he would just let me put them on the spot today to answer questions. And then my promise to our listeners is that I won't edit this. So don't say, don't say anything too crazy, but I will let your candid answers just be out there for the world to hear. All right. I'm a little nervous. I got to be honest with you. I'm a little nervous because I I, I really don't know what kind of questions you got back. And so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how fast my brain will think. I don't think it's anything too terrible. And I, I trust your ability to come up with something on the spot. I'll, I'll give it everything I got. Okay. So are you ready to dive in? Yeah. Bring it, bring me number one. What, what right. are we talking about? What's the listeners want to hear? Okay. So first question I'm going to throw at you. All right. What are the most common challenges that kill revenue? Ooh, that's a really good one. Most common challenges. Yeah. I mean, there's more than one, right? Yeah. Um, okay. So let me, let me start off by this. I, I would say, um, is the number one thing we hear all the time is a lot of people don't know, they don't know what they're doing. Um, but specifically, cause I really want a very good answer. <laughs> well, I was candid. No, yeah. uh, not fair. Okay. So really structure, not flowing to the right department. So within the agency, making sure that everything is flowing, um, from responsibility to responsibility. So when that claim is ready to be built out, um, it has everything that it, it, it needs to, to go and have a, what we would call a clean claim. We see a lot of duplications in processes where it's not clearly defined of what, who's responsible for specifically what that can also slow down, um, your monies. And, and these are things that maybe people don't think about. All right. But, but these are very common technology. Um, so EMR companies set them up. Maybe they've got some change in, in leadership or different positions and the EMR has not been uh, updated in a while. Either payers haven't been updated or maybe some people made some changes within the system. And so payer setup's not correct. That, that's a, that's a massive one. Management structure. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in having the right leadership in place where you're holding everyone accountable by measuring KPIs within the agency, as well as measuring individual performances for each step of the process. Um, most of the people that we talk to do not have any type of measurements in place for their RCM team or even their, you know, QA team. And I, and I know you're big on measurements. We are big as a company on KPIs and holding people individually accountable for what they have to do, their part that they're responsible for. So I know you have some of these KPIs. Do you have them in your head to where you could throw out some best practices? 
so, well, you know, for like your, you know, days in LA, probably two days, right? Cause you got to give them by five, but two days is good. Your days to final 10 to 12, your AR over 90 for just Medicare needs to be less than 10%. Your AR over 90 for non-Medicare, um, less than 20% over 90 days. So therefore your total AR over 90 days should be right around 15%. Okay. Um, and then you go into, um, I'm always big on, on DSO. We, we can, we can always talk about that, but, um, you know, you want your DSO around 45 to 50 days. And then that, that's some of the build things. Uh, again, I'm trying to remember other stuff off the top of my head, but I, the other part I would say that's missed a lot is your unbuild. So if someone was asking me, what yeah. should our unbuild AR be? And I would say that needs to be no more than 10% of your monthly revenue. No more than 10%. Yeah. Okay. And I do, so you mentioned DSO, you mentioned unbuild. Let's not go into those too, too much yet because there's another question later on that I'm going to ask you. So uh, you can start kind of gathering the information in your brain. Okay, here's an, here's another one. You ready for the next one? Ooh, well, let me say something about the unbuild side. Okay. Less than 10% of your unbuild age over 90 or over 30. I'm sorry, over 30. Less not over 90. <laughs> Less than 10% of your unbuild aged over 30 days. Okay. Right. You don't want to sit, you don't, you, you want, don't want less than 10% there. of your claims sitting there past 30 days. That's what, that's what I'm trying to say. Past 30 days. Yeah. I'm already failing at this, at this game. It's all right. You can, you can redeem yourself. Totally redeem yourself. Okay. So here's a, here's a specific person. Okay. We are a growing agency. Right. How do we staff appropriately for growth, but not overpay staff? Oh, okay. Well, um, Okay, so for the overpayment of staff, that all depends on what you can, what you can provide in terms of pay structure, benefits, maybe perks or whatever the case may be. That one's kind of hard to answer because a lot of new companies, they don't have a lot to recruit to, right? They don't have a lot of benefits. They don't have a lot of stuff, right? They're starting out. So the risk of even going to another company or new company is there because you don't even know if, how long they're going to be in business. So right. you would tend to overpay those individuals because you got to get people to buy in. Right. So that's going to happen. Now, in terms of staffing, um, you know, it really depend on, you know, what services you're offering, but as a general rule, um, you know, if you're talking about, you know, intake, um, you know, probably have one person, um, for that out of the gate, you're probably going to have multiple people do that role at the beginning, but just be cautious of that because you, again, you want to make sure that they're doing the job correctly. That's, Intakes to one of the most important positions in an agency. Um, insurance verification. So as you grow, you know, you should be able to have, you know, someone that can do between 100 and 150 for Medicare a day. You're talking about authorizations and eligibilities, right? Yeah, when I'm talking about insurance talking verification. About the, yeah, well, I'm talking about the verifying their insurance. Okay. So uh, authorizations would be different. Authorizations, someone should be able to do about 20 to 25 a day. Um, I would say one FTE would equal a census of around two to 300. Just depends on how good that person is. For insurance verification on Medicare, it'd be about 100 to 150 a day, uh, about 40 to 45 for non-Medicare. Now, don't quote me on these numbers. I just, I'm thinking that's what they are. Um, and then for, you Well, know, that makes sense. I mean, you're talking about a growing agency. So you may start off less than what we're giving you. And you may grow and push that number a little bit before you can add on another person or a part-time person. 
yeah. or even exploring PRN options, right? Yeah, most of the time people are going to be wearing multiple hats. Um, but as you, <coughs> but as you grow, you really need to get a staffing matrix put in place. So that way you, you are not over recruiting and hiring too many people. Cause that's going to kill all your cash flow and your profit. Um, a billing is another area where people say, you know, does it make sense to outsource or should we hire, you know, have someone in house billing? I would say if you can do it in house, um, one biller is going to be good for Medicare claims, you know, 20 to 25 million, uh, non-Medicare, someone should be able to bill out 30 to 45 claims per day. Okay. So I'd say one FTE would be for non-Medicare about three to 5 million. So that kind of gives you a gauge. Now, what I will tell you in staffing is there, there are certain things you want to track and certain reports. Um, now I don't have all these off the top of my head, but I would say, you know, you definitely want to run an, uh, admissions report, your, um, re-verify your insurance, your DCO per payer, not just DCO overall, but DCO per payer, because the fact of the matter is you got to get paid and you got to get paid fast, right? Cause bills keep coming in mm-hmm. and people got to be paid. So that, and that's probably the most stress of any owner is payroll. Yep. That's a big one. You got to pay them. Um, and then the, you, uh, you know, you might have a, a review claim acknowledgement report. Um, but you're going to want to, you're going to want to step on top, top of all this stuff, um, out of the gate for sure. So I, and I think one of the things that they, I took that they were specifically asking was about clinicians. Well, uh, what about clinicians? How many should they hire? Yeah. Well, I think that depends on how many patients um, they have. Like, so as they. The census. Uh, yeah. How many, how many patients can they, you know, they see in a day? Um, how far a drive is it for the clinician to see these patients? Um, again, that's why I think you're going to have people doing multiple roles. It's very common that the, the business owner of the agency is also going to be out seeing patients. So. Um, and as somebody grows. I think there are two things that I would add to what Michael's saying. Flexibility, but clear expectations. Yeah, definitely got to have clear expectations. Because if people don't know what they're exactly supposed to do, that causes frustration. So, yeah. Okay, ready for the next? Are you done with that one? Yeah, I okay, think. Ready I, for the next question? No, I'm doing this. Probably get zero listens. This, <laughs> it's okay. This kind of ties into that. But somebody asked about specific strategies around compensation. Does anybody have specific strategies around compensation that they would share for the best way to attract clinicians? Okay. So you know my thoughts on mm-hmm. on compensation. I believe for every position that it's possible, they should be paid a salary of some sort, but then it has to be based off performance. I I really think, and now you're going to get me on my, my soapbox, my, my soapbox here is salary doesn't work. It used to work, but it doesn't work because what happens is you overpay for your mediocre performers and you underpay your top performers because you don't have the money to pay your top performers what they deserve. And so the mediocre people are actually making more money because they're not doing as much as what your top performers. So when I look at building anything in life, I want people that are competitive to some degree, but I want, I want people to be able to make 
as much money as they possibly can. Because one thing as a leader you can't manage is, is efficiency, right? See, right. I don't know how efficient somebody is. I know maybe what they can do in a day, but I don't know how long it takes them and all that other stuff. But I, I, I think that's a big one. So in every aspect of an agency, if you can pay them a salary of some sort, and I think it just needs to be enough that they can survive, um, and then have a very strong incentive program, performance program. I like those type of programs because you get people, you get the right people on the bus, you get the wrong people off the bus. And you want to talk about culture. When you, when you have performance-based compensation, you structure it in a level where every level, management, in, uh, middle management, and, and those that aren't in management, they're all rewarded based off the same things. Right? You can't have one on one and the other one's on another just it just doesn't work it's broken you got to get everyone together on the same comp plan uh where they're all incentivized under the same things so that way they all push those same things um so i'm big on that now that takes some outside the box thinking because you got to really think about how to strategize it and building compensation plans are not easy it's very hard uh because you got to think of all the different things that could go wrong with a comp plan, right? Yeah. Um, and you want it to actually um, help you recruit and retain, right? Because as a growing agency or an agency that's been in business for a long time, you know, you see a lot of companies that hire people because they had the title somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, those people probably failed somewhere else, but because they have that title, we hire them into our company. I'm a huge believer and having certain levels of management within your company so you can promote within. Because those people already believe in your company. And uh, if you're training them to take over, right? Because we all got to be training people to take over for somebody else. Um, then it's, it's, it's critical that you don't bring people from outside because that can be dangerous to a culture. Not that you're saying you can't do it. Not everybody does it. But I'm just saying, I hate when I see that. I hate when someone comes from another company that had a title and they come in, they don't really know much about the company and that they make all these changes. It, it can destroy a company. About the mission and vision of the company. Correct. You're talking about from within, those people have already bought into the why. They're already bought in. Yeah. Yeah, they bought, they're bought in. And, you know, really, honestly, they're the ones that, you know, waking up every day, coming, coming to, to help grow the agency. Those are the people that, you know, you want to give them the opportunity. And the other thing I'll say this is within an agency, you probably have all the talent you need. You probably just haven't spent time realizing the talent that each individual has. So another thing that a lot of owners overlook is they don't really see what talent they already have within the mm -hmm. organization. Yes. All right. I, I, I did okay on that one, I think. All right. We'll let you pass on that one. Yeah. All right. All right. This Perfect. one, this one I feel like you're going to like. All right. I'm this ready. is a question that... We've had asked a couple of different ways, so I'm going to try and combine the way that I'm asking it. But basically, um, one of the agencies is positioning to sell. Okay. So they're looking for ways to increase cash flow to show on a P&L. Right. And then another agency is just asking, what is, a sh what is an indicator of a very strong agency? What is one thing you would look for? And I feel like those kind of go together because if you're looking to sell, you want to make sure you're a strong agency for a buyer. Yep. And if you're just looking at how you can strengthen your agency, cash flow is definitely a way you can strengthen your agency. Yeah. So I think you're going to look, there's a, 
a lot of things you can look at. I'll break it down probably just to a couple. Because if I'm if I was looking to buy an agency, number one is I want to see. Uh, I'd probably look at the ratings, you know, all that kind of stuff you're going to do. That that's probably not one ones I'd say. But um, you, you know, mean, but when you growth, say rating, you're talking about yeah, like, like just their googling star, man, star ratings and outcomes and all. That's all good okay. stuff. Um, but I would look at you know the census growth, right? Okay, uh, year over year, and then the biggest thing I would want to see. And, and they're going to want to see a P&L and balance sheet and all that kind of stuff. But it, I would just be managing the heck out of my daily sales outstanding. Okay. So, so talk about this because daily sales outstanding, and sometimes I know I've heard you call it DCO as well, which is days claims outstanding, right? Or, or is that- D- DSO, not DCO. DCO is the place here in Springfield. <laughs> okay. Yeah, DSO. So- DSO, day sales outstanding. And this is something that we actually work with clients. We work with people on to figure this out and then to figure out how to fix it. So we have resources. So I'm going to let you go on this, go on this tangent and then just know if you're listening in the audience and you want some easy to use resources, I will um, be sure to link some things for you. Yeah. So every company has a DSO. So it just doesn't pertain to the, to this industry right but it represents the number of days it takes for a business to convert a sale into cash okay so typically most businesses are going to be what you'd hear called net 30 or dso 30 net 30 um which means basically that you know from time they send the invoice to get paid is 30 days healthcare is a little bit different in the fact that you know there's other things that can get in the way of that it's not just a simple sending an invoice and someone paying it you've got other professions involved such as doctors and and certain signatures and stuff you need so healthcare service business is going to be average around 45 to 60 days uh, Mm -hmm. sales outstanding um but they got to work really hard for those collection of payments so managing that dso is important because it's not just the length of time it's taking you to get paid right which means that hurts your cash flow but if i'm looking to buy a company or if a company is even looking to grow and they need capital Mm-hmm. Um, the big line item there is going to be your AR to cash account, which means that if you look at your net patient revenue and then you basically look at your accounts receivable, um, that's going to help you figure your DSO. Then you look at say, okay, how much cash do I have on hand? And then that's going to calculate your AR to cash account. So the significance of the AR to cash account is that most of the time when we see an agency that's struggling with collections, their AR to cash count is over a hundred percent. So in simple terms for every, if it's at 120%, then for every, uh, $120 going out the door, only 120 uh, or only a hundred dollars is coming in. Right. Yeah. So that means you got more money going out than you got coming in. So that's not sustainable. Um, and it can, it can bite you some months because you'll have some larger expenses come in. That's really going to hurt your AR cash, cash account. So you really want your AR cash account, you know, in the fifties, sixties, um, you know, if you can get it down in the forties, that's thirties, that's even better. Right. Um, but you know, that, uh, that's a start. So typically depending on how much revenue they have coming in, how much money they have sitting there in the AR, um, the higher your, the higher your DSO the higher your cash to your, your um, AR to cash account. 
So I'm looking at my AR cash account. I want that well under a hundred percent because I want, you know, 62 cents going out the door and a dollar coming in. Yes. Does that make sense? Yep. So that's very important. And I will tell you that when we talk with clients all the time, the number one thing I want to talk about is the DSO because that lays the foundation for what we're going to have to do in order to get them to be either sellable or for them to be able to grow and scale and invest in technology and employees and maybe even acquire some agencies. Yeah, to and increase efficiency. I yep. mean, uh, at the end of the day, the DSO indicates good processes. It indicates cash flow, financial data, and ultimately patient care, which I know is what we're all about anyways. There are just all of these other things that play into how they care for a patient. Yeah, I like that question. I, I feel good about that one. Yeah, I figured you would. Yeah. Um, so I think, I, I think I'm one for three, really, honestly. <laughs> so if if somebody wants to find our DSO calculator, you can go to our website. There's a resources tab, and under that, there it says DSO calculator, I believe. Um, and you can, if you have your cost report or you know the numbers, you can put in your net patient revenue and your AR information and it'll spit out a number for you and then give you a measure of how you could impact your cash account if you were to get your DSO down. Yeah, I'm thinking the one online. I don't know if it has the AR to cash account on there. I think it's just a simple calculation. Okay. Um, maybe we ought to look at adding that on onto that. I just didn't want to confuse people because you know, it's a lot. Yeah, there it can be a lot. And and if sure. you go on there and you are looking at the numbers and you want to ask some questions feel welcome to reach out to us. I mean, we're happy to work, walk you through that, see what it looks like, help you figure out some strategy. Yeah. And another big reason why DSO has to be managed is if you look at today, inflation, you look at the cost of borrowing money, Mm -hmm. even, even from the line of credit, that interest rate is, 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 is higher than it's ever been. And then if you were to, you know, get some type of line of credit from it, like if you can use line of credit from your house, that's what a lot of people do. Right. Yeah. But if you get a lot of credit from a bank, you know, they're looking at it in terms of saying, hey, you've got to have so much capital because they're going to base, and usually it's about 80% ratio, I think it is. So if you had 100000 coming in, the best you could get would be 80000 80, in capital um, or 80%. There's, I can't remember exactly how it works. But, but the, the, the most dangerous thing about a line of credit from a bank is they can call that note at any time. And, right. and their expectation is you're going to pay that off. You're not going to just make small monthly payments. So if you, if you only make a small monthly payments, you may get a phone call from your banker saying, Hey, we got to call this loan. And now you owe them 50, 60 grand, depending on how much you borrowed. And that could, that could really, you know, they can mess up your Friday, soggy, soggy your Cheerios. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Okay. One last question. All right. Okay, this is from a smaller agency. We are a smaller agency looking to increase our market share. What are some strategies you can give us? Uh, buy other agencies. <laughs> okay, so go back to your DSO and then you buy other agencies. Uh, just buy them up. Um, man, uh, so you're looking to grow and you want to know how do you, how do you do that? Increase market share. Well, be good at what you do, uh, specialize in what you do and then make sure, you know, if you're, if you got some type of marketing team or, or whatever, um, make sure that you're presenting the case to physicians that, that these are the type of patients that you, that you see and, 
and here's the results of those type of patients. That's going to be really important. Um, networking is going to be important. I think that's really critically important. I think get involved with the association because within the association, there are so many other great owners and the best way to learn is by, you know, not only having a mentor, which everyone should have a mentor, mm -hmm. but you know, these associations are really good at in supporting agencies, both large and small. And, um, they can probably hook you up with some really good individuals that was one at one time at that same situation. Um, and you could probably learn from their mistakes so you don't make them. That's what I'd say. I, so I just want to add to this because I went to a conference, I guess it's been about a month ago now, and I was so moved, impressed with the conversations that were going on. And there was a particular lady who was there. She had just started an agency and like fresh. And she had so many people who were willing to talk to her. She was asking specific questions. And I was so impressed with how willing people were to share their experience and give valuable information to somebody who was new. So, and that was within an association, just other members of the association, not anybody who, you know, she had paid money to or anything like that. No. So don't discount peers. I know that you may see them as your competition, but they also are such a great resource. For sure. So, well, that was the last question. That was it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think you did pretty well. I, I'm impressed. On the spot, you answered all the questions. So. Yeah, now, what would be, what would be fair is if then we really had a podcast and I knew these questions were coming in because then I could nail them. <laughs> yeah. This was off the cuff, and I'm scared to listen to it. Nah, it'll be, be honest good. With you. It'll be good. I'm a little frightened. Um, if you are listening and you have other questions that you want answers to, please feel welcome to... Uh, email us at connect at healthredpartners.com yep. and one of us will get the email, see it and reply back to you or get you an answer on a podcast. Or you can call me at five, 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 five. He's just joking. Okay. Um, eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, All right. Well, you guys have an awesome day. Thanks so much for being with us and uh, we will talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks.